Oh, it's been a while, people out there in the world of the interweb. Yeah, I've been busy. I had art fairs going on. I had art residencies. I had a life. But we're back, strong, for the infinite spaghetti. It hasn't gone away. It's just grown in the background. This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. So in a moment, we're going to bring Katya on. She is an artist illustrator. She works for BuzzFeed, I believe. She was born in Japan, speaks a little bit of Japanese, but I don't want to give away everything. We're going to let her explain it. Graphic novel reviews. Yeah! Let's get into the paper world of reviews and graphic novels. Bang. Pretty cool. It's from Dark Horse. It's like one of these things where it's like there's like a James Bond character. They're trying to figure out who's fighting evil. And we follow a variety of these like kind of superheroes that are in a graphic novel, about a graphic novel. The writer of the graphic novel is kind of controlling all the characters in the book. So it was fun. It wasn't so much of a challenge. I did enjoy it. I recommend it. Bang. Cemetery Beach. This one, oh boy. This was my favorite graphic novel that I've reviewed this whole season. It's like kind of a steampunk meets Blade Runner meets like Mission Impossible. It's like there's another world, off world, Earth is old world, right? And they sent people to populate another planet. They go to the planet, they kind of get ignored by old world, which is Earth. And then Earth sends a sentry to the other planet, hijinks ensues. So. This one is by Image. I highly recommend it. Definitely recommend it if you like adventure. I can't wait to read the second one. Cemetery Beach. Warren Ellis, Jason Howard. Well done. All right. Let's get to the show. I will throw books. Oh, I forgot to introduce my co-host, Blue Leela Minsker. Created... From this DNA, I make my own co-host. There it is. Blue, say hello. Hello. No, come over here. Come over here. Hello, I was the one who plugged the light. You didn't do it. Yeah, she, she's, the lighting, she's the lighting department too. Show them your um, Taekwondo uniform you're wearing. Strike a pose. Show one, do one Taekwondo move over here. All right. Well, she's not a trained monkey. She does nothing. Ah! <laughs> Very good. All right. Katya, I can see that she's in the background waiting. Let's bring her on. Hello, I've been having such a good time. <laughs> I could just wait well, all day. <laughs> this is the mystery of the infinite spaghetti. I love it. Are you ready for the magic? I have been ready. I am in the spaghetti. It's like up to my eyeballs. My eyeballs are meatballs. It's amazing, I'm here. For the audience out there, let's give them your intro, who you are. Hi, uh, my name is Katya, Katya Aloy. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am based out of Los Angeles. I am an illustrator and designer. I was born in the USSR, which is a country that no longer exists. I immigrated to America when I was, I think, two years old. We were homeless in Italy in the interim, and there's lots of fun stories around my immigration there. My background is in theater and animation, and my strongest 
thing, the thing that I bring to this universe is illustration. I do know how to speak Japanese. It's something that I'm working on right now. I know a little bit of French as well. My husband's Cantonese, so no sick, no sick tongman, which means I do not speak Cantonese. <laughs> um, but I'm trying. And Russian, of course, because I was born in Soviet Union. The main stuff, I've worked at Disney. I've worked in marketing for doing movie posters. I've done pins and packaging for Disney pins. I've worked in mobile. I've launched several mobile games. I've kind of done a whole lot of different sorts of things in the entertainment space. I'm currently looking to join the big data industry right now. So knock on wood, hopefully that comes through and, and we'll see. Focusing, so you said, what was the animation part you're doing? My background is in animation. I know how to design characters. I worked at Disney on It's a Small World, the animated series. I was the art director for that show. Did a lot of the character designs for that show. I wasn't the art director. I was part of one, one of two art directors on that show. Done that at BuzzFeed. The show isn't out yet. I think it's going to be coming out very soon in October. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but we, we did a couple of episodes on LGBTQ icons. And I think that's about as, as much as I can as I can say at the, at the moment. So that's going to be coming Coming out soon. That's mostly my design sort of visual language. I was brought on to, to lead that for that piece that I worked on. They are a couple of episodes and they're about, I want to say five minutes long each. And something that I think a lot of people to this day don't really understand with the animation is that every frame is a lot of hands and a lot of people. You know, when you're looking at a show that is, say, for example, two dudes in a basement talking about the thing that they love. It could be props, it could be cars, whatever. The amount of lift on a show like that, that could potentially end up on Hulu, is two men in a basement. And as long as somebody's paying for the electric bill, you got a show. When it comes to animation, you have writers, you have storyboarders, you have character designers, you have directors, you have leads. Sound design, you have people that are just responsible for props. You have people that are responsible for editing. You have people that are responsible for sound. It just, it's, it's a very expensive art form. And even though in the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we've, you know, there's been huge steps taken in terms of digital ink and paint. 3D modeling certainly has helped quite a bit. You'll see that in sort of the early nineties Disney movies. You can start to see a little bit of 3D creeping in. Tarzan's a great example of that. It takes three villages just to get four minutes of animation out there. You know, when you see something like Shira on Netflix or you see something on Cartoon Network, like you're looking at thousands, thousands of people to j just do 11 minutes of a cartoon episode. So, hi mom. Yeah, that's my mom walking in talking. More DNA. Hello. Full of DNA. <laughs> All right, so yeah, she made this, so I guess my joke about creating she made the host i made the co-host yeah it's almost that there's like a a, a running thread in terms of your sense of humor as well you're the executive producer that's what your title would be close the door <laughs> working from home is just such a delight <laughs> it's a part of the show you're not supposed to yell at the producer i'm not yelling i'm just making a suggestion mom i love you he's projecting the back of the audience. I was going to say is like, I do my own animation for my films. I try to explain this to people. It's like, say you see, like I do very handcrafted paper, like, you know, and after effects stuff. In my film, Man in Camo, there's a scene where there's, I'm talking about putting out books. And so what I did is I took an old book, Xeroxed out the frames in black and white of the people talking, cut that out, glued it into the pages, 
and then I flip the pages and photograph the pages. When it animates, you see the pages turning and you can see the pages going up and the other side going down, you know, because the way when you read a book, like the pages shift and the people are moving through it. And then I also drew on top of that. So when people watch that in the film, it's like less than 10 seconds. And that took me roughly two months to do. So when I say to people, and I'm working on some kind of animation thing or having people do animation for my films, it's like, I understand like the three seconds, whatever it's readable, you know, I know how long it's gonna take, take the, as long as you need. I have a guy actually doing animation for me now on my current project and I'm just like, whatever you need, just do it in between, you know, like here's the budget, just do it in between other paying jobs and I'll get it whenever you're done painstakingly slow work especially stuff like that that's stop motion right like you can kind of cheat in say 3d animation right the computer is doing in 3d animation or even after effects right you have keys and there's a mathematical um process in which the computer problem solves how does this object move from point a to point b how fast and what is the path by which it follows so most 3d animation is kind of fighting the computer to do the like easiest path right mm -hmm. but like there's no cheats there's like nobody helping you if, how would i advise somebody to follow my path and or join the animation field i think that i'm somebody that suffers from anxiety generalized anxiety disorder and depression and I have found that following my deepest, truest self allowed me to get to where I need to be in terms of my mental health, but also where I need to be and want to be in my career. And a lot of it genuinely was, I want to art direct out of college. I want to art direct out of college. I want to work at Disney out of college. And every single person that I meet, Starbucks, my therapist knows, every person that works with me and everybody on the elevator knows, like everybody knows and so as i'm on my journey to climb a mountain like the disney mountain doing mobile games at some point or doing something else people um know that oh i have a friend climbing mount everest um you should talk to her and then somebody else is like oh i have a friend of a friend they're climbing mount everest right now you should talk to them and so if you sort of become that person in in people's consciousness of oh kati is the person that wants to work at disney kati is the person who's passionate about mid-century modern animation upa mary blair style go talk to her if you become sort of that person in people's consciousness they start putting you forward for jobs i hate to say this but i've been very very lucky that i got into disney without applying and i like to say that i had a fairy godmother i actually was being courted by a studio here in la they turned me down dreamworks turned me down for their internship and i just lost it. I was like, fresh out of college. I don't think I'm going to pursue animation. <laughs> and I'm walking to work, which is like a spa in LA. It's called a Buddha spa. And I get a call and I'm in a crap part of the neighborhood. And like, I can't hear. And they're like, Hey, it's so-and-so from Disney, something, something saw your portfolio, something, something. Do you have a minute to talk? And I'm like, yes, I have a minute to talk. Hello. Hi. Like, yes, me. Yes. That was me. I totally set my portfolio in took advantage of that opportunity. And I guess uh, probably somebody from my college, somebody in, in the ether was a teacher. Somebody must've put my name in, right? And they're like, I know Katya wants to work at Disney. Go talk to her. And so if you continue to talk to people, not just people that are on your level, right? Like your peers, but it's like your doctor, like anybody with ears. It's like the classic LA, like the only way to get your script out there 
is you tell everybody kind of like that because part of it is people enjoy working with you and you can prove that you can do the work. And part of it is being top of mind. And it could be two, three people removed. Like the BuzzFeed job that I had was the neighbor of an ex-boyfriend that I had dated in like 2011. We somehow like had been at a party, CSUN grad. So he's more on the film side. Like Nick was in con, like, you know, so like I had friends that were not just in the animation space. By that point, I had friends that were like in film and in music and in games. And like, I have friends in aerospace, like whatever. And like all of the things, right? And so he was like, oh, uh, we need a designer desperately, like tomorrow, because that's how BuzzFeed sometimes works. Let me call her. And I was like, hello, it's not like a fake scam email on LinkedIn. Absolutely. I would love to speak to a person. And so, you know, like that's kind of been the way that I've gotten a lot of my jobs. Um, and so part of it is, I think, rising to the occasion. And part of it is just being like, I'm climbing the mountain. I will see you at the top of the mountain. Do you want postcards from the mountain? And people want to support you in that. So um, I think that that would, be, that would be the advice that I would give. This is the point where I think we should start showing your work so people can get a grasp of that. So I'm gonna start with your Instagram page, if that's all right. All of this is digital. So uh, my expertise is making stuff look traditional. I think that digital is great and it's important everyone's doing it and I really don't want to and I don't have to because it's my art right and I'm secretly dead inside and I need everyone to know that but I think <laughs> that there's something really fun about doing something and making it look effortless as well um if anyone's ever seen the movie uh, center stage there's this really great line in the movie he's giving feedback to one of the dancers and he says I want to see the movement I don't want to see the work the thing that we love about Pixar, the thing that we love about, you know, a lot of great films is that you see the movement, you feel things, right? It's not just the work and the labor behind it. I, it's, it's kind of balancing those two things because I don't want you to know that like, this is hand-drawn. I want you to know that there's texture and to not make it be so polished because it's coming from a human being. So I'm always kind of skirting that line. I'm always trying to build new brushes. I have a brush set that's called Elvilgren based off of the um, 1940s pinup artist. And I'm just like, I've been working on this brush for like three years. And I, it still hasn't gotten to that point where it's like that perfect brushy, watercolory, like mm, tasty sort of texture, but we're getting there, right? So like, it's just something that I, I love doing. I think it, it, it brings me joy and it feels real. So that's why it tends to look that way. And honestly, a lot of the work that inspires me is 18th century painters and Alphonse Mucha, which is like early 1900s. It's UPA. And like the whole UPA movement in animation started because they felt like Disney was, was moving away from sort of the raw grittiness of the animation. Um, United Production Artists, um, it's a group of people that left Disney and they were like no like and this is Disney didn't really want to follow in sort of mid-century modern really graphic bold design and you saw people like Ward Kimball at, at the studio kind of start like like scooching a little bit in that direction and you'll see stuff like there's like a couple of shorts from that era that Disney was a little bit more looser around the edges but and more UPA like but there are there's a huge movement that was like you guys are doing too much pretty boring stuff and we want to do something a little bit raw and a little bit more graphic. Um, so that's kind of the era that I tend to gravitate towards. So like this brush that's in the background that you can see there is, you know, it's a digital brush, but 
trying to make it look like it's not digital. Just even that, like the technical difficulty, like I'm not even drawing anything. It's like playing a video game that's really hard. You're like, I am smarter than you, I am better than you, and I will beat you. Like I'll find the answer for this. So like that part of art and design also really appeals to me is like, how do you push your technical limitations and how do you kind of force the computer to do what you want? <laughs> I wanna say something really quick about this. So this is chicken fish. Chicken fish came out of a really low point in my life. I just, everything I was drawing and I love drawing Alice and beautiful things and it just was not working. And I was like, well, what do I love? Like, what do I wanna draw that's easy and I love to draw? And I was like, chickens. And chicken fish just kind of came out of nowhere. And I just started drawing like different types of chicken fish. And like, you have like the little black sheep of the family who's like a little egg. And like, some of them have fish bodies and some of them have chicken bodies and some of them have fish legs. And it's um, very different compared to a lot of my work, which is really like colorful. But there's something about it that when I do doodles for my friends, I always write chicken fish loves you. Having the opportunity to go back to sort of why a lot of us start being creative people it's because we're trying to get something out we're trying to say something we're feeling something and we're trying to get it down on paper and i think maybe i just was feeling like not a chicken and not a fish and i was trying to find a career and like nothing was really working and most people into my lap that like literally within that week or two and they even said like the stuff that you're doing with the chicken fish made us realize you can do more than just draw like an 80 year old man that worked for Disney. And that was like, wow, like that's cool. Like the fact that just doing this thing that you love for yourself, that's weird can interestingly also get you to places that you want to be at. Chicken fish technically is just tuna, the chicken of the sea, right? It's true. And I do love tuna. I made a film self-medicated, a film about art where it basically the whole thread of the film is that a lot of artists push off depression or work through sadness by creating that it's kind of like this universal thing you know we interviewed artists from around the world and and mostly south america and a lot of them had either like mental issues or depression but they were using their artwork as a way to cope in a positive way so i fully get it i do that myself Post that I had done about or the light and the circles and the value hue contrast. I'm really passionate about teaching people as somebody who is an immigrant and also a white person. I feel like I, I can never accurately truly feel the challenges of our, of our comrades that are colored, right? I will never be able to know what that's like, but I can relate to the lack of equity um to the financial difficulties of being in a minority and being misunderstood based off of your language or your heritage and it's really important to me that we are able to access information and um, education for free so i've just been teaching like art theory like color theory and this is stuff that to me makes sense right because i'm an artist i've been doing this stuff my whole life occurred to me like i have friends that don't know how to make the color green and they don't understand why if you put a blue light, excuse me, a cyan light together or a blue light next to a red light, you'll get a completely different color than you think it would. And you'll get something different if you put two different colors together. Like, why does it make brown? Like, why does orange and purple make brown? And it's like, well, that's color theory. So this was something that I did that there's like 400 likes on these posts. And I thought, nobody cares. These are so disgusting. They're so boring. Like, and it blows me away that it resonates with people. And I realize it's because we don't have access to the sort of information. And it's not just this, it's like mental health information. Like what are the signs of like 
somebody that's really struggling with depression, right? And so like this kind of came out of that of just being like, this is how bounce back light works. And it's also helpful for my clients who are creative people, but they may not necessarily be incredibly verbose in the creative field. And so when I say, okay, well, we have direct light and indirect light. And do we want like a colder red or do we want a warmer red? Intuitively, those words are going to tell you something, but maybe they don't understand like the intricacies of that or explaining to my peers at BuzzFeed, like, okay, I understand that we have a hexadecimal color for a character, which is like this very specific pink. You cannot print that. And, and it's not helpful to tell somebody in Korea who's making your merchandise a hex color because print processes are completely different. And so doing this tiny little series that I did, like yielded so much love and people got so excited. And I was just like, wow, I really need to do more of this or just teaching anatomy. Um, so this sort of stuff always excites me. I love it. And it's boring, but it's interesting and it's bizarre and it's like quantum theory. It's, it's just fun. So th those were, those were really a delight to make. Cause I just, I was like, nah, maybe, maybe somebody can benefit from this. And I guess 406 people did, which is great. If I've pointed people to this when they're like, well, I don't understand what you mean by contrast and value. And I'm like, look, we know red and green is highly contrasting, but if they're both of the same value, Somebody who is visually impaired, they may have color blindness. They may have a hard time distinguishing between the two hues because there's no shift in value between those two things. And so there are a lot of people that like wrote me, like DM'd me and were like, oh my God, like I had no idea that this was a huge problem in a lot of my designs. And, you know, for me, as somebody who, again, loves mid-century modern design, loves my favorite movies are like Some Like It Hot, All About Eve. We're, we're talking about like black and white cinema. You had to understand values. You had to have an understanding of, of dark and light. And so I don't know if because that was so much of the media that I was consuming, you see that now in my illustration and why it's so important to me and why a lot of it pops is because I'm constantly thinking, is this is somebody who's colorblind, is this ADA compliant for them? Is somebody who is maybe um, a little bit older and has a hard time seeing, do I need to make something bigger? Do I need to make something stand out more? And also, is it pleasant to look at? I, I've had juniors on a team and they're like, I don't understand why this isn't working. I don't understand why this doesn't read. And I'm like, create a new layer, put it at the very top, make it all black or all white. Set the blending mode to black and white or saturation or whatever it is, whether you're Procreate or Illustrator or whatever. And look to see where your values are because your eye always wants to go to the brightest spot in the composition or it wants to go where there's high contrast in a composition. Well, how did you learn all this? Ew, I really don't want to say it just took time because that's, that's certainly part of it. But it's also like being curious and being like, what the fuck is going on? Well, like a lot of the production people I know, they just go to YouTube and go to how to whatever they're trying to look up. But like... You had, did you have a resource that you were using for this? A little bit of background on me, you know, and I think my mental health and, and my art is a huge part of this. You know, like I am recently coming to terms as a, as a victim of child abuse. And my mother is a brilliant, very talented illustrator, not the greatest parent in the world, but very talented illustrator. I was taught classically by her, but there were a lot of the like little things of like watercolor. You always leave untouched paper because you cannot paint white. You cannot paint lighter than your canvas. So I think part of it was that this sort of small voice in the back of my head that was like that. I think there was also just because I really had no one growing up, have this sort of tenacity of I'll figure it out. I will just stare at this until the answer comes at me. And so I think part of it truly was me either just staring at something and being like, I think it's this. 
and then Googling it. And I'm like, okay, it's not that, but this gave me an idea. So then I go back and I stare at it and I'm like, okay, I think it's this. And then as I've gotten older and I've developed mentors and I've, I now have the parents I would have chose, I can go to them and be like, Hey, I have a design problem. I have no idea what's wrong. They've done that for me where they're like, Oh, well, I would have done this differently. And Oh, why did you choose this? And I, and I'm noticing that this right here isn't working and I can't read it. And I would fix that. I do have a Behance profile. I was on Adobe Live, I think a year and a half, two years ago. It was, be it was before the pandemic. And since then, uh, Behance has its own live streaming. And it's like a bunch of really talented artists on their teaching. And you either have to go through an approval process or you have to be pre-approved. And, and so I kind of went through both and was like, hey, why is my approval process taking so long? I've been on this before. And they're like, oh, we know you. Here you go. So I have one video up. I mentioned this to you earlier today. I got into a car accident the same day that a tree fell on my house, taking out our internet. And I was just in a terrible mood. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to do Behance. It's going to make me feel better to teach people. So I was in the middle of teaching. There's like 40 people watching. And I get a call from like the insurance agency. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. So if you watch that Behance video, you'll see me be like, who's calling me? And then finally I pick up the second call. I'm like, oh, it's insurance. I have to go. I was in a car accident. And it just like hung up. And so since then, it's been like so busy and chaotic. But I've been... I've been planning like, okay, it's October in like a week or two. Like we're going to go back. We're going to start streaming like once a week at the very least. Cause I, I love it. I used to stream all the time. I used to do IGTV almost every night, early pandemic. That was the only thing that got me through. Like I would work these crazy hours at Buzzfeed because of, you know, COVID and there's like a lot of projects. It just was not the greatest timing, but I would like do like this nine, 10 hour day. And then I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to live stream for an hour on Instagram, which was, it was, it was great, but it got me through, I think the pandemic, the first couple of months, cause I was able to help people and, and give them just like a little spot of joy and just something else to think about. And it also, you know, brought me into the present as well. And it was really helping me cope with sort of the pandemic. So if you scroll far enough back in, in time, you'll definitely hit the uh, live streams from then. You mean on here on Instagram? Yeah, on Instagram. It's like somewhere like early pandemic. IGTV video on a lecture on um, color, color theory and the way that I use it. Um, it's going to be specifically around how I use color and how I apply it to my work. So this this one is is great. I, um, I love it because this is when I had gone back to therapy. I graduated a couple years ago. Um, I felt like, okay, like I'm in a good place. I feel like the things that I wanted, which was resiliency and, and the tools to kind of cope with my anxiety and my depression, I was ready. Right. And so this was 18 weeks ago when I, when I decided to go back. And so my, my safe space is my bathroom and I just sit there like in the shower. And it used to be me sitting on the, on the bottom drunk on the bottom of my tub crying with the shower sitting like the rain falling over me and now it's like me like creating this space of like okay like this is my safe space if there's a ritual here now of like okay like what's going on and like checking in with my different parts and it's like okay like I see you and I feel you and trying to be self-led through sort of these really big emotions and and burdens that you know parts of me carry um so I I, I look back on this and I'm so glad I drew this when I when I went back to therapy because I think about where I was then and where I am now. And it's like, I still do a lot of this. I do more standing showers now. I was in a mood to do more of a Korean shower at the time, but. I mean, I want to point out to anyone who's actually listening to this or watch it later that you really do have to take care of your mental health. If you work well with professionals, seek them out. If you do something creative and that helps, do that. But 
don't like ignore it because ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It just makes it kind of like back up, you know, sort of like a dam. And then it, uh, and then if you wait for that dam to burst, it's too late. So try to get ahead of the game, get the help or figure out what you can do that can alleviate it. There's no shame in the game. I wrote a book, it's called Anxiety in Wonderland. It's on Amazon right now. It's free on Kindle and it's about my mental health journey. And it's just, hey, like this is what it, my anxiety looks like. And it's all the different characters. So if you go to my LinkedIn and you look up, click on my link tree, and then if you go to commerce, the brushes that I've created, you'll see like my Etsy stickers. And then you'll also see the book that I wrote. And it's okay. the Kindle version is free. And again, like for me, it was really important as somebody who literally like when we left the USSR, my parents were allowed to have like 40 rubles each per person. So we're talking 120 rubles, rubles leaving the USSR. My parents were allowed to have their engagement and wedding bands, wedding bands only, no engagement rings. They tried to rip my gold earrings out of my ears. I was two. They tried to rip a two-year-old's earrings out of her ears. What year was this? This was uh, 1989. You'll notice I have a very unique name. So my full name is Ekaterina or Catherine, right? The Americanized version or Katya. So I really appreciated, by the way, earlier you asked me, how do I pronounce your name? Because again, as, as a white person that has no accent, people don't understand and wouldn't assume that I have that background. But my name is actually one of the few things I have left of my people when someone else introduces themselves to me and it could be something as simple as andre and andre i think it's really important to honor that because you don't know where that person comes from you don't know you don't know whose name that was that could have been a great person in that person's family and and they've now been bequeathed with the gift of that person's name i think it's really important especially in 2021 you know we're we're really i really hope trying to to honor people and their heritage and and who they are so when somebody takes like you takes the effort to say, how do I pronounce your name and asks me and, and really makes an effort. I really appreciate that. So I, I wanted to celebrate you for that because that's something I, I, that your family went through, right? It's like, oh, well, that's too hard. It's too hard. We're not going to pronounce it. So where are you from? And we're going to re we're going to rebrand you. Like, don't do that to people. <laughs> like They have a name and it's beautiful. And, and we really should be celebrating that because that might be the only thing they have left of their people. Well, it's also like if I ever wanted to learn anything else about my family, I have no ability to do that because it was severed at Ellis Island. But I, I have to mention that the reason I do that is because I'm dyslexic. So I always want to make sure I'm reading it appropriately. You know, like someone who's like learning disabled, it's like I have to be careful because just if I read it, I'll read it wrong. So I like to hear it spoken. So that's a habit I do with everybody. So if you're a future guest on this, definitely make sure I get the name right because I have a habit of also screwing them up and I, I try not to do that. But I appreciate you saying that. But it's my handicap face surfacing again. I feel that. I, uh, I think I have mild dyslexia as well, but I can't imagine, you know, really the difficulty of living in a world where everything is text and everything is written and you just have to. Well, and I also write, I write books and all this other stuff. I'm lucky that, you know, I'm lucky I come from a background with people who, you know, family that cared and had the ability to send me to school specializing in that. But the more I, 
know about dyslexia and like, you know, growing up in Washington, D.C. in the 80s around a lot of crime, you know, I learned that a lot of people in the criminal system are, you know, same level of intelligence, but just didn't have the breaks that I had, you know what I mean? Like didn't have the ability to have a family that like supported them. And that's like the biggest, I think, issue within the criminal system is that an educational system that fails you if you don't fit the mold. You know, there's a lot of resources and things that I can figure out how to write and pursue things with that normally would hinder me because of dyslexia. But yeah, this show isn't about me, though. We're on you. Oh, uh, so to the point, we'll, we'll, we'll tie it up with a bow. Um, my book is free for people on Kindle um, because I think it's important that mental health is accessible because it's it's a human being issue it's it's a human rights issue and so if you can't afford the hard copy that's totally fine like get the digital version share it with your friends you know and i think anybody that suffers from a mental health reality like myself or even a family friend that you know is just like i don't understand why my cousin's always acting up or i don't understand why my mom is so sad all the time or God, I get so angry with my husband because he can never make a decision. Be curious about writers and and filmmakers and artists that do tell those stories because maybe they can explain to you what your loved one is going through in a better way than your loved one can. Because sometimes, especially when you are really suffering, the last thing you can do is communicate that suffering to other people, and you just you're just not there, right? Because you're obviously not present. So it's there for people. Uh, I don't want to make this about me or my book or buying things like... Well, the whole show's about you and people should go buy it. And secondly, for the people who do go and buy it, and even if you do check it out for free, I know the way Amazon works, leave a damn review because that helps the metadata and the metadata is how it populates on other people's suggested list. So like, if you go to her book, please leave a review it's not that hard you log into your account you pull up the title it'll say leave a review you punch in your review you hit submit it'll say thank you it's very easy so please up the metadata you can find all of this on katia designs things.com is my website katia katia designs things.com this is also an audio cast so I got to make sure that people are hearing this. Yeah. And then I'm also at Katia Designs Things on Instagram. I'm on Katia Plays Things on PlayStation. <laughs> and so if you just look up Katia Blank Things, you, you, might, you might find me, most likely. Or just Katia Illustrator, you'll most likely find me. And if people have questions, is it okay that they reach out to you through like Instagram or whatever? Like, yes, please ask me questions. I, I love mentoring people as we get more seasoned in our careers to take on mentees because your experiences are unique, especially if you are a person of color, if you are a woman, if you are an immigrant, if you are part of the LGBTQ plus community. I think it's really important to put yourself out there and tell people, I am here. I am thriving. I am not just letting life 
happen to me. I am trying to make life happen. I'm climbing mountains. I want you to get on this mountain with me. The more people do that, the more we'll have younger, fresher, more amazing, more talented people. That's how we grow industries. That's how languages continue to thrive. And I think it's, again, just really important if you see somebody you like, if you see somebody that's making cool stuff, message them and be like, hey, I love you. This is really awkward. Oh, and I'm so excited to talk to you, you know, and just tell them, tell them how they've made you feel. Tell them how their work makes you feel, how grateful you are that they're out there doing that thing. Because honestly, there's been so many times in my career that I've wanted to quit. There's been so many times in my career where I was like, I'm going to become a clown or a cop. Like I'm so desperate just to have a job and I'm beaten down. And the people that remind me of what I, why I do what I do is the little kids that buy the pins that I designed for Disney. It's the people that have watched me grow since I was in college and, and have followed me as an artist. It's my friends who literally fish artwork out of the trash can. Joke's on you guys though, because all of my work's digital and I can throw away whatever I want without anybody going through my like recycle bin. But you know, I think it's really important to mentor people. I think it's really important to ask to be mentored and never put anybody up above you on a pedestal because you're putting yourself below someone else. And we're all on, you know, the same plane on this round earth. And so, yeah, if something I've said really resonated with you, if you have questions about something that I've done, something that I'm doing, please don't be shy. Hit me up on Instagram, Katya Designs Things, LinkedIn, let's be friends. Like I'm all about it. I want to be there for people because people weren't, I didn't have anybody growing up. I didn't have anyone in my career. And I, I want to be that person for other people. I'm really passionate about it. So please do not be shy. Do's and don'ts, cosplay and prop making. Do's and don'ts for your life as a creative. Do's and don'ts. Uh -uh. I didn't realize it said prop making on there or whatever. I'm not expecting you to do that. So do's and don'ts for animation. I wasn't sure if the card was going to change every time. Do tell people the mountains you want to climb. Everybody everybody all of them the hairstylist the guy that bags your groceries you don't know where people are going to go your juniors your seniors the janitor like everybody around you should know what you want to be making where you want to go do create every day whatever it is post it even if it's awful we do 10 awful drawings for every one great one so just put it out there. You're not going to regret it. There's tons of stuff that I put up and I thought it was ugly. And then I look back and I'm like, hey, doing better. I love that. I need to return to it. So don't be afraid of that. I got this from somebody that I dated and I saw him do it on set. And I don't know how much it applies to people that are in the more creative roles or maybe you're remote, but shake everybody's hand at the end of a production. And this is like a director of a big production. He's got like 20, 30 people. He went around at the end of a show when they wrapped, shook every single person's hand and said, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for that thing that you did. Thank you. I saw you run that rope. I saw you do this. I saw you grab food for people. I see you and I'm grateful. Constantly thank people. Don't apologize. Don't ask for permission. Do things if you think it's the right creative call until someone tells you to stop doing it and then maybe do it under the table. Like, don't let other people dictate your creativity. Don't let other people 
walk all over your sparkle or your shine because that is, I do enough of that for myself. I don't need anybody else helping me with that. Like that job's taken. So don't let people do that. Don't be mean. Don't give unsolicited advice. I can't tell you how many times as a dancer in the swing dancing scene here in Los Angeles, somebody was like, oh, you really shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, thanks. Now I really don't want to dance with you. And I really don't want to do that move ever again. So it's the same thing with illustration. Like be curious, ask them questions, maybe lead them to a solution, but don't be mean. People will remember that far longer than any of the, any of the nice things that you ever do for them. And don't be shy. We all fart and we all poop and we all have stuff in our teeth. We all suck at stuff. It just, you may not see that person sucking at a specific thing. So don't be shy in front of people. Put yourself out there. Even if I'm, I'm a very good ex introverted extrovert. I'm very good at being in front of a camera talking to people but at the end of the day I don't really want to talk to people sometimes right I try my best to not be shy and just put my hand out there and be like hey I'm not feeling super sociable right now but I really wanted to meet you and just say hello all right well um, I'm gonna go back to my little my little picnic I'll see you around you know and so really put yourself out there I feel like we have the same mind it's weird you said so many things that I either haven't verbalized or but I or I completely agree with so you know my new favorite thing is be be the person your 12-year-old self wanted to be. The dancing, wear the things, eat the things, listen to the music that you like. Be the person that your 12-year-old self wanted you to be. Because I feel like that's where a lot of us started walking away from our true selves. Whether it was to fit in or it was to pursue some path that somebody else wanted us to have. And even me, as a very, very fortunate creative person, I still find myself finding opportunities to really honor my true self, my 12 year old self, my five year old self, my, I just want to grill marshmallows over the stove for, for dinner today self, my, I'm going to have a big cucumber salad for lunch today self, really try to celebrate and honor that part of you. And thank you so much for your time. And thank you all for being here. And thank you all for being you and just for being here as, as somebody who is a survivor of a suicide attempt, I want you all to know that I'm happy to be here and that if any of you are going through that, I have confidence that you will reach the place that you would want to be, which is where I am now, which is I'm happy to, I'm just happy to be, I'm happy to be here with a broken car and all this other stuff going on around me. I'm just, I'm very grateful and thank you. So to say to the audience, she was having a tough day and mustered and came through and did this interview though she has a whole lot of things going on in the background and here at infinite spaghetti and our audience and crew and cast that are somewhere in the rest of the apartment we all thank you from the bottom of your, our hearts for taking the time to speak with us and our audience really do appreciate it <laughs> i love this so much i am doing this from now on Feel free, take it all. You should be running your own show. I'll be a guest on your show. You're excellent. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.